from Wall Street to the White House. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. We're going to do some money in politics. Monica Crowley, former Assistant Secretary of the Treasury, host of the Monica Crowley podcast, and Steve Moore, Freedom Works, Committee to Unleash Prosperity, and WABC radio host of More Money. Uh, Monica, jump to you. You're the international expert. There's a state of war in the Middle East between Israel and Hamas. A few weeks after Joe Biden gave Iran $6 billion, what do you make of it, Monica? Yeah, it's completely outrageous, but also totally predictable that the Middle East is now in this situation and freedom-loving people around the world are now in this situation. Joe Biden has been pressuring the Israelis his entire career. Uh, His administration, as you point out, Larry, just turned around and released $6 billion in previously frozen funds to the mullahs in Tehran. Iran, of course, for a long time has been the major, the premier state sponsor of terror. The Iranians, as soon as they got their hands on that $6 billion, made a public statement saying that they were free to do whatever they wanted with the money. The Biden administration was saying, well, they're going to use it for humanitarian purposes. This is a theocratic terrorist regime. They never had any intention of using it for humanitarian purposes. Of course, it was going to go to terror. And now we are seeing the direct results of Joe Biden, Secretary Blinken, his entire foreign policy team, their move to release this money to Iran. And now within days, we have an absolute massacre happening on the ground to our key ally in the Middle East, Israel. We've got thousands of people who are either dead, wounded, or have been taken hostage. If you have seen some of the footage coming out of Israel, we've got Israeli citizens waiting for the bus to go to work, being shot dead in the street, being dragged out of their cars and shot dead, left to just uh, die in the street. These images are absolutely appalling. Uh, This is Israel's 9-11, and Joe Biden, Secretary Blinken, the entire Biden foreign policy team have that blood on their hands. You know, uh, Steve Moore, there's an economic principle here, and the dumbheads in the White House don't understand it. Money is fungible. (laughs) So $6 billion for humanitarian aid can be spent or allocated for war and terrorism. I mean, you know, when this story broke and they all talked about humanitarian aid, I said to myself, you are even stupider than I thought. Well, Larry, I I can't add too much to uh, what you guys were just talking about with Monica, but I will say this, that, you know, there's also an even bigger uh, kind of slush fund that that the White House has created, this $380 billion green energy slush fund which is not going to be used for improving the environment or combating climate change. It's going to be a, a fund that will um, basically put money into the hands of left-wing um, organizations that support the Democratic agenda, whether it's green groups or whether it's solar panel companies or others. So, you know, when people say, gee, it's so hard to cut the budget. No, it's not. There's, pl- <laughs> there's so much waste. There's so much duplication. There's so much inefficiency in government that we could easily be cutting hundreds of billions of dollars a year out of this obese federal budget. Well, look at that that discussion on the budget. Um, I was going to get your opinion. 
on Hillary Clinton, the great stateswoman that she is, who wants to deprogram people like you, right. Steve Moore. She wants to deprogram you. Uh, it's already bad enough that you're part of a basket of deplorables, but she now wants to deprogram you and your conservative budget and other MAGA opinions. Well, you All know, right? I think are I'll you ready to be, be deprogrammed? Top of, top of that list. Yeah. Well, look. I mean, I'm a, I'm a deplorable. Are you, Larry? Mm. I know that Monica's a deplorable. So, well, I think well I'm sure. working. I'm working so hard to be a deplorable, but now I, <laughs> I want. I'm going to be deprogrammed. I don't know how you do that. I mean, you have to go to a hospital, or, or, or well, she didn't really walk through how to execute that. This is what the the Soviets did, you know, when they <laughs> took over and and turned everyone into communists. They basically put people into, you know, camps where they would basically um, indoctrinate them. And I think mm-hmm. that's what uh, what Hillary Clinton is sort of endorsing. It's really kind of reprehensible, actually, when you think about what she's saying. You know, Monica. Hillary's got a big mouth, but this is a recurring theme with her. If you don't agree with me, if you take a conservative position, you're a deplorable and you have to be deprogrammed and whatever, it all goes with that. I mean, it's is it interesting to you as it is to me? Her husband, Bill Clinton, doesn't say stuff like that, but she says stuff like that. I mean, she's really kind of a far-out radical, isn't she? Yes, and she has been her entire career. I have been studying Mrs. Clinton now for longer than I want to admit or (laughs) I would like to get that part of my life back. Um, I I will say this. My my very first boss was former President Richard Nixon during the last years of his life, and he often said that in many cases the women were far more radical than the men. Mm. And he said, you know, you just look at Chairman Mao, his wife, Madame Mao, was far more radical. And whether you're looking at fascists or communists, oftentimes the women are more radical than their husbands, significant others, or the men in the foxholes uh, with them. And I think in Mrs. Clinton's case, that is certainly the case. She has always been the far more radical, um, you know, of the two. Her husband actually governed as a pragmatic moderate, not Mm. Barack Obama, but Bill Clinton. Mm. But the Democratic Party is no longer the party of her husband. It is the party of Barack Obama and the Marxist radicals. She is perfectly at home there. Because remember, one of the very first things Mrs. Clinton uh, learned when she began her life as a political activist, she studied under Saul Alinsky, the original left-wing communist radical, right? So Mrs. Clinton has been steeped in this for a long time. And when she talks about uh, re-education, deprogramming, that language is dehumanizing. And she's saying it on purpose. This is what the radicals in this country really have an objective to do. And a lot I mean, of people yeah. laugh it off and think it's not possible, yeah. but it's already happening. Well, in the same week, this is so interesting to me, the Clintons. In the same week, all right, Bill Clinton goes on John Katsimatidi's right. radio show right. and criticizes Biden for his uh-huh. awful illegal immigration border policies and says, right. basically, you got to close the border. And then the same week, Hillary starts attacking, you know, all the so-called MAGA Republicans, whatever it is, to deprogram them. 
uh, and presumably because they want to close the border, which is what her husband wants to do. I mean, mm-hmm. no wonder that they don't live together. No, no wonder <laughs> they don't get along. Well, I mean, she's a know, crazy left winger, and he's a perfectly sensible, mainstream, moderate, old line Democrat. Right, and and look, this is uh, Monica made a key point that the party of Bill Clinton, and and look, Bill Clinton was a moderate centrist mm-hmm. uh, Democrat. Remember, Larry, we could work with that guy. Remember, yeah. I mean, we we cut yeah. the capital gains tax, we did welfare yeah. reform. Now, sometimes we had to drag him doing it, but mm-hmm. we accomplished a lot. The stock market went through the roof. We said, mm-hmm. saw the biggest reduction in federal spending under Clinton, of, you know, in 50 years. And so he was a practical Democrat that they don't exist anymore. And one other quick point about what Hillary said, you know, we kind of make fun of it and it's a laughable comment. But there is, what it really reflects is a kind of elitism of the left of the kind of they, the top one percent that they they think that they're morally and culturally and intellectually superior to working class Americans. Mm-hmm. They do. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason. And Trump really tapped into that. That's why they hate Trump so much, because Trump is the candidate of working class, middle class Americans work 40 hours a day, get their hands dirty, uh, do the grunt work in this country. And those the, I love those people. But but Hillary and her clan have contempt for working class Americans. Mm-hmm. I think that's important, Monica. I mean, she's. She's always been that way. So she lost in 2016, and then she started talking about deplorables. Uh, David Asman was talking last night on the TV show. Her deplorable speech took the nomination away from her in 2020. The de- yep. Even the Democrats were horrified by that. And now here she goes again. And, you know, we were talking, it was a week or two back, we were talking about how Michelle Obama might be the presidential candidate. If Michelle Obama became the presidential candidate of the Democratic Party, Hillary Clinton would jump off a cliff. She would go crazy. She'd go, absolutely, you are, you are she'd go, exactly right. she'd yes, go out and kill herself know. because she couldn't stand it. Yeah, I mean it. Oh, no, 100 percent. You are exactly right. And like I said, I've been studying Mrs. Clinton for longer than I care to admit. And I will say that she has spent her entire life and career um, in service of one goal, which was to become president of the United States. Mm. So she subsumed herself to her husband's multiple humiliations in their private life, everything else. Then she put herself on this track from law school to first lady of Arkansas to first lady of the United States to U.S. senator to secretary of state, all in service of that goal. And her deal with her husband was uh, two for the price of one. You go first and then it'll be my turn. And the fact that she lost the presidency not once but twice to two men who had a better sense of where the American people were at any given moment, number one, Barack Obama in 2008, and number two, Donald Trump in 2016. The fact that she has lost her life's goal both times to two different men has her absolutely embittered and incensed. And while we're talking about, you know, her comment about the deplorables and everything else, she did do something else uh, that was even more dangerous, and the country is still suffering the ramifications, and that is the Russia hoax. The oh, Russia yes, hoax the Russia came hoax. out of the diseased yep. mind of Mrs. Clinton yes. and her campaign, yes. and we're suffering the fallout to this very day. I mean, basically, 
we, we got to take a break. Steve, mm-hmm. she, she's a left-wing Democrat, and Bill Clinton is a moderate Republican. That's really what you got going. Well, that's true, and I know we're going to take a break, but I I don't want this just to be about Hillary Clinton. This is where the Democratic Party is today. She just spoke something that a lot of Democrats probably would be afraid to say, but I think a lot of them agree with her. Well, I want to know where to get the operation. Anyway, uh, Steve Moore, Freedom Works, Committee to Unleash Prosperity, his radio show, More Money, and Monica Crowley, former Assistant Secretary of the Treasury and host of the Monica Crowley Podcast. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back. Larry Kudlow. From Wall Street to the White House, this is the Larry Kudlow Show. We are talking money and politics with Monica Crowley, former Assistant Treasury Secretary and host of the Monica Crowley Podcast, and Steve Moore of FreedomWorks and Committee to Unleash Prosperity and the radio host of More Money on WABC Radio. Steve Moore, simple question, who's going to be the next Speaker of the House? Oh, jeez. <laughs> you know, look, I, th- I think um, Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan are fantastic people, and they would both be excellent, um, you know, excellent uh, speakers. I-, I-, I do feel that what's happened this past week has been really unfortunate, and I think it's been bad for the party, and I know I think you feel the same way, Larry. And so, I, I mean, I just – I think it's it's been unfair. I think it's at a time Here- – here's my point about this, Larry, and-, and I just want people to understand what's going on here. Yes, we have a massively out of control debt and spending is out of control and it's caused inflation, all sorts of problems for Americans. The villain here is not Kevin McCarthy. The villain is Joe Biden. And I just feel like we've taken our eye off the ball. Republican uh, approval ratings have fallen in the last four days because people are disgusted by what's happened. Mm. Um, uh, I was talking to Brett Baer earlier in the show and I asked him about all this. And he felt that Jim Jordan had the upper hand now yeah, because former I think so. President Trump endorsed him. You agree? I do. You do agree? Yeah. Do you think anybody else can come into the race, Steve? Well, Donald Trump could. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, look, I, I, I th- the, the danger right now that I'm hearing, Larry, is that um, the moderates – of the party, you know, there are maybe 15 or 20, you know, more moderate Republicans in the House. And they've seen what, you know, what uh, what happened when you know, Gates and others on the right rebelled. And now they're going to they could hold the, the caucus hostage, Larry, mm-hmm. and say, mm-hmm. no, we're not going to go for Scalise. We're not going to go for Jordan. They're too conservative. I, I, there's a chance we may have a hard time getting 218 votes for anybody. Yeah. yeah. No, no, that's an important point. I mean, uh, the co- the conference may be split, and um, nobody can get two eighteen. They may, they, I don't know. There may be a compromise candidate. Monica, do you have any thoughts on this? Do you have any preferences on this, Monica Crowley? <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see President Trump with the speaker's gavel for you know a limited amount of time. Um, the, the the idea that you know a Speaker Trump would have to tell all of the judges in his bogus harassment cases around the country that he can't make court because he's presiding over Biden's impeachment would be a moment too delicious to uh, let go. Okay? So I, I wonder, by the way, 
I wonder if the pres- if uh, if Donald Trump could serve as president and speaker of the House at the same time. <laughs> you know, t- trouble is he's got a he's got a very crowded schedule because he's got to defend eighteen million dollars Mar-a-Lago, which is probably worth a billion and a half. <laughs> Right, right. It's all so absurd. So, no, Donald Trump is not going to be the speaker. He did endorse Jim Jordan. That was a very important uh, endorsement. So as of the moment, but of course, anything could change. It's also fluid. Uh, But it does look like Jordan has the edge. Steve Scalise is a wonderful guy. Um, But to Steve's point about, you know, the moderates might want to rebel, the moderates are not where the Republican base is. The Republican base, and, you know, we can argue whether or not the Matt Gates-led rebellion here was wise or not. I supported Gates in this. I disagree with both of you. I think the country cannot go on like this, and we need this kind of disruption to change the trajectory of what is expected of our leaders here. But the Republican base is where Matt Gates is. It's not where the Republican moderates are. So if they want to try to pull this and deny the speakership from Jim Jordan, it is not going to be a very pretty scene yeah. for them. Well, well you know, to, Steve, to I'm, what, not, I'm not going to I'm not going to comment on a defense of, of Matt Gates, but I'll I'll just leave that one out there. Uh, but one thing's for sure. Kevin McCarthy was a phenomenal fundraiser. And they are losing that capacity. Yeah. And that is so important. You know, I mean, you're going to have to. I mean, Steve Scalise is better at it probably than Jim Jordan. But really, McCarthy was a superpower fundraiser. Yeah. And that's a troubling aspect that uh, deserves some attention. In this. And that's, Larry, that's a big part of the job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're yeah. the chief fundraiser yeah. for the part. And you can't, you can't win races without money. But I want to just expand on something that uh, Monica said, because, uh, you know, we disagree on on this. But, you know, I wrote a piece in our hotline uh, Tuesday just saying I thought that this was a big mistake and we've got to keep our eyes on Biden, not McCarthy. He's not the problem. And I got just a torrent of people saying, oh, Steve Moore, you become part of the swamp. My point is people out there in Main Street America are absolutely stressed out they're furious about what's happening in washington and i don't think either party is very attentive to how angry americans are of what's happened to our government mm-hmm. monica do we have to have more debates i mean <laughs> can we dispense with the rest of these debates and just get on with it That's a very good question, and it's a question for Ronna McDaniel at the RNC. Apparently, there's going to be at least one more debate uh, next month in Miami. Um, It remains to be seen. Is that going to be with or without Trump? It's going to be without. It's going to be with or without Trump. I mean, he would certainly qualify. I don't know how many of the other GOP candidates will qualify if they tighten up some of the uh, criteria to get on that stage. But, you know, it's generally a waste of time. I mean, you know, I guess it's okay for the American people to see GOP candidates talking about important issues about the economy, pro-growth economic agenda, foreign policy. However, that last debate was not not in the history of GOP debates was not one of their finest hours. Um, so that ended up being counterproductive, I think, not just for the candidates, but for the party. Donald Trump is now leading by 40, 50, and some polls 60 points. 
So for all intents and purposes, this primary is over. And I think the party needs to uh, unify and get behind Donald Trump, get all of the resources aligned behind him, because the battles he is facing, the battles America First is facing, need everybody's concentrated attention. You know, Steve, you know, uh, there is a debate I really do want to see, Larry, and it's coming up in November. And I think all Americans should watch it. And that is this debate that looks like it's going to happen between Ron DeSantis and Gavin Newsom. And this will be a red state versus blue state, uh, because this is what the election is really about. Do you want America to look more like more like California or Florida? Well, and this I, is I, what this is what DeSantis, for, for DeSantis, DeSantis should have run on this. DeSantis should have run on this the whole time. But. Alas, he didn't. Anyway, Monica Crowley, thank you, love. Steve Moore, thank you, love. Appreciate it very much, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow, and we will be back next weekend.